We've given Arsenal a fair bit of stick on this show, and we're coming to the same realisation that thousands of horrified Tottenham supporters are coming to. The Gunners, against all expectation, might actually win the Premier League. They have a seven-point lead. If they beat Newcastle on Tuesday, that advantage will be in double figures. I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. Happy New Year to all of you and to my top tipping team. Mark O'Hare actually gave himself Christmas Day off, which is almost as big a shock as Arsenal being top of the league. Mark, let's start with Arsenal's clash with Newcastle on Tuesday. Arsenal odds on here in the match odds market. They've got a long winning run at home, but can Newcastle actually stop them? Of course they can, yeah. I wouldn't put past them at all. They've had a fantastic season so far. Um, they were the, the sort of the hot favourites to finish as the the best of the rest, if you like, outside of the big six pre-season. Uh, I felt that was slightly premature by the market. Uh, I was still waiting for Newcastle to do some, I wouldn't say serious business, but a lot more business, a lot more kind of outlandish business, if you like, in the transfer market, considering the, the available funds they have there. Uh, they didn't. They've signed incrementally and improved the squad incrementally and, and obviously you know, upgraded in certain areas. But you know, I, I've been proven wrong. They've been fantastic so far this season. Exceptional, really. So consistent, so brilliantly well coached as well. Uh, the fewest league losses in the campaign alongside Arsenal. Comfortably the best defence in the division. Uh, and also a, a plus 21 goal difference, which is you know very, very impressive. Obviously, that goes hand in hand without losing matches uh, regularly. So, um, yeah, the only defeat you could say was probably unfortunate, a little bit unjust, I guess, uh, away at Anfield in August when they played very, very well, lost late on. Frustrated by Leeds, of course, in the last match, 0-0, but um, by the balance of play, they should have won that game with room to spare. They had 12 shots in the box, seven big chances, according to Opta as well. So they're going along very well uh, and they find a lot of respect. Um, so I do have a lot of respect for them in this game. I think Arsenal are at a fair price, obviously. Um, They've surpassed all expectations so far this season. Uh, they absolutely can win the Premier League, whether they will or not. I, I'm still unsure. Man City is still odds on favourites for a reason. That seven-point gap, we've spoken about it before. They still have to play City home and away. Um, you know, lose both of those games. Suddenly that gap's down to one point. Lose to Newcastle and the gap between themselves and Newcastle is, is six points. And look, we've seen many teams um, later on in the campaign see their own kind of advantages of seven points or bigger eroded. So, you know, we're not even halfway through the campaign. So there's a long way to go. But so far, Arsenal have been superb. And it's not just in terms of results and points on the board, which I think they're tracking on to be one of the, the best Premier League teams history if they continue at the current rate which is incredible really but um if you look at the underlying metrics they're very much very close to Manchester City in expected points and expected goals ratio as well so whichever way you look at it Arsenal have been keeping tabs with City and if not sort of beating their own standards across the campaign so of course you have to respect them and, and give them their just desserts too so I, I found this game really difficult to unearth something of, of real value uh, I think Newcastle are, are more than capable of getting a point there but also I looked at Arsenal's fixtures after the World Cup break you thought maybe perhaps the break might come at the wrong time you think perhaps Gabriel Jesus's injury might slow them down too you look at the fixture list home to West Ham away to Brighton there was an opportunity for a slip up or two there and they passed both with with relatively flying colours, I guess. Um, you know, they gave West Ham nothing by the penalty and um, just took their opportunities against Brighton. So 
I found it's difficult to, to sort of find something. My lean would be to be uh, over two and a half goals, which is 1.9 on the exchange. You know, if you look at both teams' respective home and away records, they tend to be quite open, quite expansive. Uh, Arsenal's Emirates matches are averaging 4.29 goals. Um, six of seven have seen BTTS. All seven have gone overs. Uh, and five of Newcastle's eight away have gone overs. And five of eight have gone BTTS too. But, you know, Newcastle's ability to shut games down... Um, would probably put me off slightly there, as has Arsenal too. But yeah, I think it's a fascinating game. Just quite interested to, to see how it unfolds. And um, I probably won't have a bet on this match. So intrigued to hear what the other guys have got. Santa came for the XG robots. They've got shiny new servo motors in for goals. Jake Osgathorpe is with us. Jake, at what point do Arsenal become genuine favourites for you to win the title? Um, it's a very good question um, because Thank I think you. you have to say, yeah, you are, you've got a lot of practice, haven't you, Kev? It's yeah. good stuff. Um, yeah, you have to say that the the you know the like Mark said, I think we we're probably all expecting at least one slip up in those first two games, you know, especially away at Brighton, maybe. But the way in which they've come through both in terms of not only the you know the attacking process and generating loads of chances, scoring goals, but also limiting very very well at the other end. Um, you know, I think. The other the, the thing that you have to look at is the schedule. And, and we, we know that Arsenal have already played United away, Chelsea away. Um, and you know, so those two are kind of out, they're they're done. They they only have to play those two at home next time round. Uh, they've got Liverpool away next time and, and Spurs away. But I think they've got quite a favorable schedule compared to Manchester City. So the, the answer to your question would be fairly soon if they continue this kind of form, because um, you know, City's next you know, what was it, seven or eight matches. They've got a really, really tough schedule. They've got, they've got Chelsea, obviously, in the league this week. Um, if we're counting cup games as well, you've got Chelsea again. So they've got Chelsea back-to-back. Um, they've got Man United, Spurs uh, twice in the next eight matches before they play Arsenal. So they've got, effectively, five big six matches in the next, in the next nine. So um, I think it could be a case of Arsenal, you know, just continuing doing what they're doing and generally ascending to favourites or it could be a case of City dropping more points which ultimately leads to Arsenal uh, moving into favourites because I think you know, it, they're, they're playing at a quite a relentless pace at the minute, a pace that we've only seen really City and Liverpool over the last five, six years actually compete with so I think if they, if they carry on the similar manner as to what they have done they'd, they'd be tracking it around 90 plus points which has generally been enough well, in a couple of seasons it hasn't but it's been enough generally to win the title um, so yeah, it, it's just a case of can Man City keep up? And I think with their with the schedule as it is for City, um, like I said, Chelsea away, United away, Spurs at home, the next three Premier League matches, like that is, you know, it's going to be make or break for City, and it could really define uh, the title market going into February. Well, I imagine that uh, odds compiler and tipster Mark Stinchcombe got a bumper book of maths puzzles for Christmas. At least I hope so, uh, just to keep him razor sharp for us. Stinch, how do you see this game going? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a real tight one because of the fact that I think Newcastle will go and there to set up, as Mark kind of alluded to, to probably not get beat as they, they did maybe when they went to Anfield. And maybe won't be as hectic as as perhaps both of Arsenal's uh, first two games back have been, because um, I don't feel as though with Newcastle obviously missing um, Isaac, 
up front. Callum Wilson's been struggling with uh, illness and, and injury. So it'd probably be Chris Wood starting again, who's more of a, a target man who will hold the ball up rather than someone's going to go and run in behind. And, and Newcastle's, um, you know, they've got the best defence in the league for, for a reason um, because of the way they do approach some of the games. So, yeah, I mean, it's all about the first goal. If you're back in the goals market, as soon as someone scores, it, it opens the game up. So, yeah, I find that one tricky. And the match odds, I thought, were were really interesting because I was concerned with that for Arsenal without Gabriel Jesus, but they navigated both of these two games so far really well, especially when you consider they went behind against West Ham. You think, okay, that's the, the wheels are going to come off there. Uh, but no, fantastic. And a Brighton one, you know, they were comfortably 3-0 up um, before the game got a bit basketball-y. So I feel as though that one was a, another superb victory, really. I mean, they scored after a minute and they controlled that first half really, really well. Um so, yeah, I think the match odds are, 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 unless you have a strong opinion, because I've wanted to oppose Arsenal, especially without Jesus, but I think, you know, improved wrong pretty well in, in those two games. And I've wanted to oppose Newcastle quite a lot this season as well. I haven't actually done it, but um, again, I think I've, I've sort of been proved wrong as, as there as well. So I think the match odds are a really difficult one to call unless you have a strong opinion. So I just I had a, a one that I thought was good for a bet builder. If you're, if you're sitting down to watch the game and you haven't got a strong opinion either and you want to create like a decent, a decent bet builder, uh, I was looking in the shots market and a lot of the players for Arsenal, as you can imagine, are quite a short price to be hitting shots on target. You look at Enketia, Martinelli, Saka, you're looking all around sort of one to three, four to 11 to have a shot on target. But one of the guys I've been really impressed with the most, and you know, he's, he's really high for Arsenal and both goals and assists is Martin Odegaard. He's five to six for, for one shot on target. And I thought that was very generous considering you look at the comparison to the, to the other players in similar positions. He's averaging two and a half shots per game, uh, one shot on target per game, which is what we would be required here. And he's having 1.2 shots per game inside the penalty area. And I'm a bit advocate if you're taking shots closer to the goal, as, as Jake will tell you as well, it's a higher expectancy of scoring. And, and that means obviously it's a higher expectancy of you hitting the target. So, yeah, I thought that was a good starting point if you wanted to weigh in as a, as a bet builder. Well, this football season, you can get a helping hand with Betfair's popular bet builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description, 18 plus, see gambleaware.org. Manchester United building genuine momentum. Cristiano Ronaldo flouncing off to Saudi Arabia doesn't seem to have done them any harm at all. They face a Bournemouth team that was truly dreadful against Crystal Palace last time out. Jake, United odds on, you'd expect that. But they've played really, really well either side of the World Cup break and they are genuine contenders for that top four slot. They really are, yeah. They've um, yeah, it's been a bit of a surprise, hasn't it, from the first two free game weeks where we were all kind of, you know, they were just in pure chaos on and off the pitch. And I think Ten Hag deserves a hell of a lot of credit for steering them into this position. Um, they've come through some sticky patches in the schedule and now really they've got a fairly kind restart, if you like, playing Forest, uh, Wolves and Bournemouth. Um, they've obviously got a big clash next after this with Manchester City, but you know, three games that you would expect them to win. And so far, they've won two of them really, really comfortably and, and deservedly so. Um, yeah, we're, we're seeing we're seeing a really nice balance now in this Man United team in the sense that they are stepping up their creative game. They're racking up more chances, generating more XG. 
Um, but the defensive process is still remaining very strong, which I think is, you know, it's obviously a sign of a very good team. And um, and it kind of shows you that, that Ten Hag really has them ticking in the right direction. And I, I don't see Bournemouth causing them too many problems if they carry on the way they are, Manchester United. Um, you know, racking up over two expected goals against both uh, Forest and Wolves, limiting both to less than one expected goals. I personally think Bournemouth are a worse team than them, than both those t- sides. Uh, and if you factor in over the last, was it, eight, nine, ten Premier League matches since the Manchester derby, uh, United have allowed less than 0.9 expected goals against per game. So across a you know, variety of different quality of teams, they've been very, very solid defensively. And, and I just can't see Bournemouth laying too much uh, or laying a glove on, on United in this game. And, you know, they, they are the worst attacking team in the league, Bournemouth, in terms of expected goals away from home. Less than 0.9 expected goals. Four is what they're averaging. Um, while at the other end, they're shipping over three goals per game uh, and two goals, uh, two expected goals against per game. So, um, yeah, they're not a very good travelling team and United have turned into a pretty formidable home team. So, um, yeah, I, I just like Manchester United to win to nil at 2.16. It looks like a fairly obvious play to me, um, given the fact that Bournemouth seemingly, well, they don't create many chances, full stop, especially not away from home, and United have seemed to have turned a corner in defence. So, yeah, winning a clean sheet for United and, and make it a hat-trick after the, the restart. Yeah, Mark, Bournemouth's new American owners are talking about making lots of transfers. You can understand that because it's felt from the get-go like this is a championship squad trying to compete in the Premier League and that quality gap, even though they've had maybe better results than people expected in general, you do get some games that you look at and think, they're not quite up to this. Yeah, for sure. The the first half at Stamford Bridge against the Chelsea team have been um, underwhelming, shall we say, so far this season uh, was men against boys, really. They didn't lay a glove on Chelsea whatsoever. They got their system wrong and totally outplayed. And you could say the same against Crystal Palace and and Crystal Palace, are a mid-ranking Premier League team. But the game was done and dusted by halftime. Um, Only really in the second half did they come out and play and and try and show any sort of adventure uh, in the final third. But both times, you know, they're playing catch up and they've considered 30 shots across those first two games. But, you know, this has been a theme throughout the whole campaign, really. They've been poor from set piece, uh, set pieces defending. And as Jake says, they've been giving away countless opportunities too and not really doing enough in the final third either. So they do need to strengthen. They didn't do enough of that in the summer. And obviously that's what led to Scott Parker's departure. But um, I felt they overachieved to, to win promotion, actually, considering the squad they had available to them. Um, a lot of injuries they had to get through in the championship last season. I just think the gap between the top two leagues is is widening as the as the money sort of comes into the game at the, at the top end. So um, it's always going to be difficult for a promoted team. Fulham have shown how you can uh, compete in this league. Uh, Bournemouth haven't, um, even if their position at the moment suggests that they're not in the bottom three. I think they definitely will be towards the end of the campaign. They're, they're rock bottom for shots. They're averaging almost two shots per game fewer than anyone else in the league. Uh, their XG average is around... 0.75 per game, which again is a long, long way off anyone else. And they're giving up the 13 shots in the box on their travels so far this season. Uh, I agree with Jake. Um, I was looking at United to, to win to nil in this match. I was also looking at United to cover a minus one and a half Asian handicap in this match too. But um, I've ended up kind of um, combining the two, I guess, uh, because United... This surprised me in fairness, but um, they obviously started the season with back-to-back defeats, as we all know, that 4-0 drubbing against Brentford in the in the August heat. It may surprise you guys, it may not, I don't know, but it did surprise me. In the 14 Premier League games since that Brentford match, 
Only Arsenal have picked up more Premier League points than Man United. Uh, they picked up two points more than Man City over the last 14 games. They've won 10 of them. They've got the third best defence in that sample too. Uh, since early October, they're conceding a goal every 240 minutes in the Premier League. Uh, a lot of that has been down to Lissandra Martinez and Rafael Varane's, Varane's partnership. They've kept five clean sheets in eight together. Lissandra might be back for this game um, after arriving late, but also Casemiro's impact has been as impressive as we probably expected it to be, really. He is a world-class operator in that position and he's he's proven it, really. Suddenly, the balance of that team looks a lot more... Uh, you know, just looks right suddenly after sort of years of everyone sort of demanding United sign a, a world-class player in that position. Uh, still have a couple of wrinkles about their attacking side of the game. They are creating chances, but are they scoring enough goals on a consistent basis? So I actually ended up going into one of the sub-markets. You can back the correct score combination, um, which is kind of, for me, a bit of a combination between the Asian handicap and the win to nil. I'm going to back Man United to win this match 1-0, 2-0 or 3-0, which comes in at 7-4, uh, which does appeal to me. Uh, Jake's mentioned that the win to nil is around about, what, 2.1, 2.2. Um, so to increase that to 2.75, by basically ruling out the 4-0 or above. Uh, United have won uh, all six games against the bottom eight. Five of those matches have been to nil. They've conceded just one goal against the bottom eight, but none of those victories were by four goals or more either. Their record at home since the opening day is 5-1-0 in terms of win draws and losses. Uh, And they've conceded just two goals in that sample, one each to Arsenal and Liverpool. So I expect them to win to nil. I expect them to win relatively comfortably, but I'm not sure they've got the um, clinical nature to really put Bournemouth to bed by four goals or more. Let's move on to the game between Everton and Brighton. Brighton beaten by Arsenal, but there were some good elements to their display and Roberto De Zerbi seems to have generally made a positive impact on the South Coast. Everton did manage to take a point away from their clash with Manchester City at the Etihad. Brilliant goal from Damari Gray to give them that point. But Stinch, there do seem to still be big problems for Everton. They defended very well against City, but they can't score any goals. And that is a massive issue for them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's Frank Lampard's Everton, isn't it? He's uh, he's not actually the sack favourite currently, which surprises me. David Moyes is the sack favourite. So there might be a little bit of value in siding with Lampard, especially in January. That would be the time you'd make a, make a decision as Everton have done uh, in, in the past. Yeah, I can't get too excited about Everton um, getting the point at Man City. I mean, obviously, fantastic result. Um, but long term, we know there are there are more issues um, surrounding them and and their long term future in the in the Premier League because we are in a competitive division. I would say there's not a outstanding team in terms of um, poor quality that uh, you can look over your shoulder and go, okay, we'll be fine with those three or at least that one being below us in the league. So yeah, still a lot of work to, to, to go. Um, but in terms of, uh, in terms of this match, um, I think we've entered a period now where we can confidently say that almost any Brighton match is auto over 2.5 goals. I just, <laughs> the, the even way, with Everton. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll come on to it as well, but um, I mean, first of all, obviously it, it's at the prices and over two and a half goals is evens here. And yeah, I th- I'm very happy to back it as the underdog. Um, so that's the, that's the first point. And yeah, I mean, y- if you look at Everton themselves, Everton have got the six best defense, which is very, very admirable, but only three clean sheets in, in 17 games. And then that's further explained by the fact that they're actually fifth on expected goals conceded. 
So they've got the sixth best defence, but they're fifth on expected goals conceded. So what's sort of happening here? Well, they're actually overachieving massively. Um, they should have conceded at least nine more goals, and that's the biggest overachievement in the division. So is that a Jordan Pickford thing then? It's a little bit. He he ra- he ranks high on the post shot expected goals. He's up there with uh, with Allison and and Kepa this season. Um, but then also down to some some poor finishing, I'd say from the from the teams that they've come up against. Um, so there are going to be more goals conceded by Everton coming at some point. And uh, the other thing that was interesting um, looking at in terms of personnel available, um, Onana is going to be suspended for this game, and he 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 seemed like a very big cog from just looking at the eye test when he entered that Everton team in that midfield alongside Idrissa Gay and Alex Awobi in terms of putting out fires. Um, he's second for tackles, he's first for fouls, so it feels like it'd be a big miss. And actually, if you look at the four matches he's not started this season, Everton conceded eight goals, so he could be another one that um, would actually be uh, a big a positive in terms of preventing this this very very classy Brian attack I would describe that's got threats coming from all over the place. It's really good to see Matoma um, getting a getting a start. Um, you mentioned he had a good World Cup, Kevin. He, he he just looked really really good so far for Brighton this year. I think it's another absolute gem they've unearthed in in the transfer market. Um, and if you look at Brighton themselves, uh, deserve his ten games has been thirty six goals. You know. That's over three and a half <laughs> per game, and we're looking at over 2.5. Uh, the expected goals backs it up as well, well over three per game. Um, but the odds suggest here that we'd be expected to see just 2.6 goals. So you can see the discrepancy there between the odds and what we're actually seeing. So, yeah, I think over two and a half goals, as I say, it, it's an auto bet in, in kind of my head. And then you sort of just want to go and double check, just check there's any reason not to back it. And I feel like there's no reason not to back it here at the odds. Yeah, Mark, it, it's an interesting one, this, because Deserbi did exactly this at Sassuolo. Lots of exciting games, great going forward, but they gave you a chance. No surprises that he's done this at Brighton. No, um, probably a little bit surprised it's happened so soon, um, almost overnight. You know, Brighton went to Liverpool in his first game and played out that that belting 3-3 draw. Um, and, you know, they've taken the game to all the big six opponents they've played, really. I think only the Spurs match kind of failed to fire, really. But you look at their performance against Chelsea at home, um, Spurs as well. Not sorry, Spurs. Um, who is it? Obviously, Arsenal recently. Um, they played someone else as well. Yeah. Did um, 3-1? Yeah, City, that was the one. Um, they've been, you know, absolutely fighting fire with fire, really. And that 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 is the Deserby way. So um, yeah, th- this game is interesting. I, I was very, very close to pulling the trigger on the same selection as Stinch. Uh, just the the Everton tendency to to produce nothing in the final third kind of put me <laughs> off, really. So um um yeah, I'm betting a bit blind on this one because we don't have markets and the traders may well have reacted to the last two matches. But just wanted to mention a potential guide price and potential opportunity to back Pascal Gross um, in the passing markets. Now, he's played in five different positions in 16 Premier League games this season, but most recently he's been filling in at central midfield because Alexis McAllister has been missing and he's been doing wonderfully well in that position. 
Uh, McAllister wasn't back in Brighton before New Year, so there is a chance that he will be missing again for this match, which would mean Gross would continue in central midfield, hopefully. So it will be a team news check. Um, you will be able to cash out if he's not available or he's not playing in central midfield. Um, but I would be looking for him to cover an attempted pass line of 70 or more, which could be around six to four or bigger. Um, just depends um, how um, generous Jason and Emmett might be feeling. Um, but um Basically, Gross hit 101 passes, attempted passes in that role against Southampton on Boxing Day, and then 66 versus Arsenal just days later. Um, his league average this season is around about 45-50, but obviously it's had a, a huge hike with him playing more centrally. Um, he was already on about 45-50 passes by half-time against Arsenal, but as Stinch said, you know that game sort of turned into a bit, a bit chaotic in the second half, and all sort of passing structures went a bit out the window, really. But You'd expect Brighton to have just as much ball against Everton as they did against um, Southampton and Arsenal. Everton are averaging just 44% possession all season. So um, just one to look at, really. If Pascal Gross is uh, offered at reasonable prices in the passing lines, he could be playing central midfield again. And at the moment, he's been priced up as if he's playing more um, from the flanks. So, yeah, that's uh, just one to look to. Now, the World Cup break doesn't seem to have been that kind to Leicester. They've lost both games since about fast, uh, showing great striking instincts at Anfield against <laughs> Liverpool. Uh, Leicester 2.32 here against Fulham. Jake, I'm not quite sure that I'm on board with that. James Madison, we think, may miss this one as well. He's been injured and Leicester don't look that great, do they, at the moment? No, they don't. They've turned into the uh, start of season, Leicester. Um, you know, they've had the start of season where they were absolutely horrendous defensively. They were shipping over two expected goals against per game. And they've come back from the break and just done exactly the same. And I know they've played <clears throat> played Newcastle and Liverpool, who are probably you know, two of the best six teams in the league, you'd have to say. They were um, dreadful against Newcastle, though, weren't they? Especially in the opening exchanges. Yeah, they were extremely timid, um, particularly in attack. Just 0.4 expected goals for in that game, which is um, you know really really poor for a home match. And in fact, you know at home so far this season, they've only generated 0.7 expected goals for per game as an average, which is staggering. Really, um, they're not enjoying playing at the King Power. But having said that, they are playing against a Fulham defence that is very vulnerable, particularly away from home. So I do think that Leicester will be able to. Um, to beat their average in this game and get on the score sheet of maybe get a couple of goals. Uh, maybe Wout Faiz can score in the right right goal this time. Um, you never know. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the bet I really like in this is just the over two and a half. Um, you're getting around 1.8 on the exchange. It, it's kind of like an automatic bet when Fulham play. And it used to be an automatic bet when Leicester played. Um, I know it's landed in both the, the matches for Leicester uh, since the restart, but you know they, they've not really done too much contribution apart from Wild Face, um, to, to uh, the actual goal lines. So, um, yeah, Fulham away from home, 88% of their, their league matches have hit over two and a half goals. And it's no surprise, really, because, as I've said, they're, gener- they're shipping around two expected goals against per away game. They're racking up nearly 1.5, so they're, they're generally just a load of chances in Fulham matches. Um, and, you know, Leicester's, they need a result. They do. They need a result at some point soon, because before you know it, they're going to be dragged closer to that relegation zone again and, you know, Fulham, are, they're on a high. They're probably, I don't think they're going to be thinking about challenging for European football, but um, they're, they're on the fringes of that at the moment in, in a lofty seventh place. Uh, and yeah, they're, they're having great success by playing that open brand of football. You know, we've seen the likes of um, Bournemouth in particular who have come up and, you know, they, they, they don't really have that attacking quality. 
so they're not taking games to opponents. They're more sitting deep and trying to counter-attack and using set pieces and their size, whereas Fulham are very much a gung-ho attack under Marco Silva. And it means for entertaining games and, and you know, quite a lot of goals because, you know, good good results as well. Because you've got someone like Mitrovic who... You know, I know he missed the penalty, didn't he, the other day? But generally, he's a fantastic finisher and uh, and you know getting fed from all angles. Um, and yeah, there, there's a lot to like about Fulham. And, and if you were looking in the you know the kind of traditional markets, I definitely would be looking at Fulham on a on a handicap. But I just thought the 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 goal line is just you know the price is just too good to pass up for me. It's actually jumped from 1.8 to 1.82 on the exchange now overnight. So a little bit bigger price, tiny little bit of a bigger price uh, than when I looked last night, but. Yeah, that, that for me is, is the way to go whenever Fulham are involved at the moment. Yeah, Mark, this does feel like a game that's got goals in it, doesn't it? Yeah, um, I do agree. Um, expecting goals in this game, Fulham have been the goal kings in the Premier League. Just a real joy since promotion. Um, just a, a sea change as well in, in approach from what we saw during their championship winning campaign. Um, they have had the rub of the green um, in a lot of games because, as Jake says, their defensive numbers aren't great but going forward it's working out well for them they're the six top goal scorers in the Premier League they've only failed to score twice uh, only Arsenal and Man City got a better goal scoring rate from Fulham and you know they've scored three goals or more in five games already so only City, Arsenal and Newcastle can better that rate but they are giving up a lot of opportunities too we saw a different side to their game didn't we against Southampton they scored two goals from set pieces which is um, kind of shows that they are a, a very well-rounded team in the final third uh, agree on goals um, but I just looked um elsewhere as well um and betfair on the sports book at the minute have got a boosted price on alexander mitrovic to score at any time he's two to one um which stands out to me he's got 10 goals and 14 yeah yeah that seems enormous <laughs> yeah yeah really did stand out to me uh, he's got 10 goals and 14 starts in the premier league missed that penalty last time out which could have enhanced that record um he's only notched one double so far this season so he's effectively scored in nine or 14 premier league games he's had two or more shots on target in eight of those 14 games and he's, a- he's averaging 0.41 non-penalty expected goals per game as well um and yeah, Leicester have improved defensively that side of the games. But when you look at the individuals in that Leicester defence, it doesn't fill you with confidence either. So Mitrovic to score at two to one. I like Jake's overshout. And just another one from the bet builder as well, um, which stood out to me as well. Again, backing Mitrovic to have a shot on target, but also Harvey Barnes to have a shot on target. Back the both in a double comes in at even money. Uh, Mitro's managed a, a shot on target in every game he's played at least 45 minutes this season. Uh, and Harvey Barnes has hit the target in 11 of 15 games for Leicester, and he'll be taking on a, a much more prominent attacking role with uh, Madison missing too. So, um, yeah, basically three angles there for the same game. Do love a bet builder on this show. Now it's time for the first podcast treble of the year, a feature that's captured the attention of the public even more than that big walrus that randomly turned up in Scarborough. Now we ended 2022 in style with a 7-1 to winner from the treble. So we'll try and kick off 2023 in the same manner. How it works is that the three guys each come up with a selection ahead of the action and our lovely traders wrap them up in a boosted treble. I will start with Jake I'll go with United to win to nil against Bournemouth oh, I've got marks lovely stuff <laughs> you had to mention somebody else you can never just oh, you can see the things. reaction though can't you like, <laughs> Mark was wincing he was like oh no That's okay amazing. Mark so so has he stolen <laughs> your selection and if he has what else have you got for us yeah um, I'll, I'll take both teams to score in Leicester versus Fulham lovely stuff and Stinch take us home 
Uh, over two and a half goals in Everton v Brighton. Brighton's last six over two and a half goals, and I think it's a trend that's set to continue. So we have to back it when it's the underdog. Lovely stuff. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Loads of other good podcasts on the Betfair network at the moment. We've got NFL Only Better, well worth checking out ahead of the playoffs. And we've got two, yes, two racing podcasts, Racing Only Better and the Wading Podcast as well. From Mark, from Jake, from Stinch and from me, it's goodbye for now. <laughs>